But today, I don't have a presentation or anything today. I just wanted to start with a question. And this is the question, who wants to live a blessed life? And by that, I mean a happy life. Show of hands. Who wants to live a blessed life? Who wants to live a happy life? Me. Okay, there's one or two people who are not sure. I think you're just being shy, but that's okay. And today I wanted to do, just do a short, well, I say short, <laughs> we'll see how that goes, um, a reflection on Psalm 1, which opens up with the saying, happy are those who, or blessed are those who. That's how the psalm opens up. And then it outlines three things not to do, three things that will hinder our happiness, and then two things that we should do that will help our happiness, that will allow us to live a blessed life. Then it goes on to outline what the blessed life uh, is like, and then it deals with the fate of the wicked. I'm not going to dwell on that last bit today, because I think there's so much to say about the first parts, and that's where I'm going to go today. I'm going to read from Psalm 1. I'm going to read from the New Revised Standard Version, a little bit different today, um, but I just like the way that it puts it. Although, having said that, I'm more familiar with the NIV version of, of the, the psalm. That's the one that I've memorized, or tried to anyway. But this is what it says in the NRSV. Uh, Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. NIV says, walk in the way of the wicked. Or take the path of sinners. NIV uses the word stand. Or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in season, and their leaves do not wither, and all they do they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Sometimes we look at what's happening in our world, and the Bible talks about this. Don't envy the wicked. Don't envy people who are prospering. And they might be uh, seem to have everything all together and everything's happening for them, but if they've not got God at the center of their lives, we shouldn't envy those people. We should only envy people who are moving on in the things of God. And this, this whole idea of being blessed and being like a tree that's planted by streams of water is one that runs through the Bible. I'm going to come to that in just a minute, but Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 7 and 8 says this, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Do you trust in God today? Is your confidence in him? What percentage? A hundred? Ninety? Ten? I think sometimes it changes depending on the circumstances, doesn't it? Because sometimes, sometimes things happen and our trust in God just seems to erode and, and, and just disappear. But that's the time when it should be like at least above 90, okay? Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its shoots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I think that's amazing. And that's a picture that's been painted about the person who lives the blessed life, the Christian life, the spiritual life. Now, 
This week has been quite interesting for me. I have been reflecting on some of the old days. I think back to the day when I came in to this church at first. And I remember I was probably in about there in the, the church. Um, and it was before this extension was built, actually. So I was sitting in about there, up near the back, new in the church. And we were worshipping God. The band was playing. And there were we just in for the first time. It was Christmas 1990. Sorry, I'm getting mixed up. I'm tired, um, but put up with me. And I remember singing that song, I, and I worship you, I give my life to you, I fall down on my knees. That song, I give you all the honour. And you might think, well, good and well, but this was the first time I had sung that song in English because I had spent that year in Japan. I'd learned that song in Japan, and there was only one part of it in the song in Japanese that was, uh, there was a part in English. But then I sung this song and I realized the full depth of meaning in the words. You've broken chains that bound me. You've set this captive free. And I just, I just thought, wow, God's done amazing things in my life. I'm only 23 and he's done amazing things. And there we were, worshiping God. And back in the day, this is the Bible that I used, Okay. This is the Bible that I got for my 21st birthday. Sophie saw this sitting on the platform. She says, well, that's been well used. Actually, some of the pages are, are actually falling out. Um, it's like your Bible, Jeanette, with lots of things that can fall out when you're preaching. Sorry. Sorry, I'll put them back in. Um, I just wanted to copy there. Sorry, I'm only kidding. I've just pulled your leg. But this is the Bible that I used back in the day when I was just a lad in this church just a young boy in my early 20s. And I was just reflecting on the journey. I've been on a journey since then. And there have been lots of highs and lots of lows. And you've been on a journey since then. And some of you folks in this church I've known for many years. And some of you folks in this church I've known my whole life. It's been a privilege to, to know you for my whole life, let me say. And we've shared moments of joy. And we've also shared moments of deep sadness, profound sadness and grief. We've shared lots of times together. There have been tough times, and there will be tough times again, won't there? And we've been with each other through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we're promised that if we trust in the Lord, if we delight in and meditate on his word, we will not only endure through hard times, but we will be fruitful and we will be blessed. In all our trials, in all our tribulations, in all our troubles, we continue to praise God. We continue to lift the name of Jesus as we've done in this place this morning. And I want to just spend a moment or two reflecting on this psalm because it's the words of the psalms and the scriptures that have sustained me from those early days all the way through to today to this week. It's those words that sustain us, those words that give us life so that we become like a tree. But I want to reflect on things that will help us to progress away from God first. That's how the psalm opens up. Blessed are those who do not do these things. A progression away from God. There are three things. Walk, sit, stand. If you read the NIV version, walk, sit, stand. There's a progression from walking to standing, to sitting. So you're walking on your way, you're living your life, and then you stop, and then eventually you've sat yourself down beside people who are going to lead you away from God. 
And this is what it says. And uh, I, I'm actually going to read it from my Bible, and hopefully my glasses work. Uh, oh, wow. Sam. There we go. There's another bit of paper. Oh. Oh, wow. There's a bit of paper with drawings of the people I used to work beside in Japan. There you go. I forgot that was there. I'm going to keep that out. In fact, that's interesting. Right. <laughs> Sam chapter... Sam, Sam 1, sorry. Uh, verse 1. And the problem with uh, this version of reading things is that the text is very small and I can't, I can't do the pinch thing to enlarge the text. <laughs> so you're going to have to bear with me. I actually heard a story about a child who was reading a magazine, looking at pictures in a magazine, and they tried to make the picture in the magazine bigger, and it didn't work, and they were a bit confused. But this is what it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the way of the wicked, there is so much counsel, so much advice, so much wisdom that we can gain from people in the world, but it might not be godly wisdom. I don't know about you, but when you're at work, you hear all sorts of things when you're at work, don't you? You hear things that you'd rather not hear. You hear language you'd rather not hear. You hear ideas you'd rather not hear. You people, people say things and talk about things that I, I don't want to talk about. And I could go all sorts of places with that. I had 10 years in industry. And if you're in the workplace, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, especially when you work with guys who are a bit rough and ready. And, you know, you hear all sorts of things. And we can listen to the counsel of ungodly people and we begin to take on their ideas and their ways of thinking and thinking, oh, well, maybe there's some truth in that. And you've got to work through these things for yourself. We can be influenced by TV although less so these days. People are more influenced by the internet, by social media, by YouTube. And there's all sorts of ideas, ways of thinking, different things, things that are healthy, things that are very unhealthy for us. And I, I think there's lots that's, that's good about it. It was invented to be good. But like everything, it gets turned around and used for evil, doesn't it? Our TV, our media, the social media, the internet, there's so much on there that we really need to avoid because we don't want to walk in the ways of the wicked. People who, I think, when it talks about people who are wicked, I think of people who are just thinking about themselves. People who are self-centered. And we're told not to walk in their counsel. People who are apathetic. I, I think it's a big problem in our society these days is that people don't care. They don't care really what you think. You know, I'm, not, I'm too busy getting on with my own life. I'm too busy building my own thing here. And so we're told not to walk in the way of the wicked. We're told, what does it say? Or stand in the way of sinners. We're not just kind of walking alongside people, kind of casually bumping into people, but we stop and we stand and we have a conversation. Standing with sinners. People who have intentionally went against God's law and his ways. So if walking in the counsel of the wicked is about what we think, standing in the ways of sinners is about what we do. And I want us to grasp that. 
What, what do you do in your life day by day? And let me ask you a question. Does your life look any different from the people around you who don't follow Jesus? Does it look any different from the people around you who don't follow Jesus? I told you a story just a few weeks back about when I was seven. I don't know if you remember that. And the kids in my class were, get, were saying, just swear, right? Just swear, just swear for those who are online and don't know our Scottish twang. And I was like, no, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. I don't use language like that. Do we look different from the people who are round about us? What language do we use? What things do we do? And do we look different? We're told not to stand alongside sinners. It doesn't mean that we don't engage with people who are not Christians. We'd have to live in a really strange world if that was the case. We have to be in the world, but not of the world. We need to live in this world. We need to rub shoulders against people. But I think, and it's been quoted in recent messages, that we've not to conform to the world. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind, changing the way you think so that it changes the way you act. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're told not to stand alongside sinners in a way that perhaps makes us participants with the sin. What does that old saying say? If you fly with the crows you get shot with the crows, okay? And there's so much truth in that old saying, if you fly with the crows, you'll get shot with the crows. In other words, if you associate with people who are doing bad things, then what's going to happen? You'll get tarred with the same brush. You'll be in the gang. I remember, I better watch what I say here because it's online. Maybe I better not share that story. Anyway, there was a situation when I was a teenager in a workplace where things were happening in that workplace and I thought, I, I can't be part of this. And I actually, I just made the excuse that I was too busy and I was studying and I actually withdrew from that job because there were things happening. And I thought, if, if I'm here, I'm going to get caught in this as well. And, and I don't want to get caught in this. And that was just as a teenager, right? So if a teenager can get this, we as adults should be able to get this. Watch who you associate with. Sinners, people who go out of their way to do wrong. Then the last bit is to, to sit. Sit in the seat of scoffers. Do you know, I was reading the commentaries about this. And one of the things that said in one of the commentaries, and it made me think of something I'd heard years ago. See, it says a young person, you should ask questions, right? Young people, I'm looking at a few young people in here today. Ask lots of questions, okay? See, when your mum tells you to do something, your dad tells you to do something, and you say, okay, but why have I to do that? Janassa, you're looking very serious there. <laughs> but but mum, why? But mum, why? But mum, why? I used to ask that question all the time. I used to plague my parents by asking why. Because you need to know the reason. You need to know why you're to do certain things. And it's okay to ask why. And as I was reading one of the commentaries, the person who was writing this commentary, and bear in mind they lived a long time ago, were talking about one of the ways that we can sit in the seat of scoffers is to be in a thing like a ballroom, right? A ballroom. So there was a day in the church where you weren't allowed to go to the dancing because that was frowned upon, okay? You, that's, well, my, my example is more up to date than that. My example is, well, you're not allowed to go to the cinema because if you go to the cinema, you'll be sitting in the seat of scoffers. And I was like, 
give me a break. If I sit in the bus, I could be sitting in the seat of somebody who's been scoffing at God. Right? If I sit in a cafe, I could be sitting. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I'm like, you're misusing the scriptures to, to, to make a point and to justify something that's your cultural, what's culturally acceptable to you. If you feel that it's right that you shouldn't go to the cinema, that's up to you. If you feel that it's right that you should, that's up to you. What I would say is watch what's going in. Because there's lots of things that we hear and see and can be influenced by that go in. And when they go in, they usually find a way back out somehow. And sometimes it might be in our dreams. But we need to watch what's going in. I, I, don't, I, I can't remember. The last 18 rated film I watched was The Passion of the Christ. And I vowed I would never watch it again because I found it so upsetting, right? That's the last 18-rated film. Am I making a judgment when people watch 18-rated films? Certainly not. But for me, I need to think about my own life and what goes into my mind and what I want to think on and dwell on. That's just, that's where I'm at. People who scoff at God. I think when we spend time, when we get to that place where we've sat down beside people, and we enter potentially into the thing that they're saying and say, Aye, do you know what? You might be right. You might be right. And we see this progression away from God, from walking alongside people to stopping to stand and have a conversation, to sitting beside them and agreeing with what they're saying. And there's a number of people who we know who have stopped walking with God. They've stopped following God. They've stopped believing in God. The church has been going through a hard time in the last three years. People have been leaving the church because they've given up on their faith. And it's happening all across the world. We see the same progression in Genesis. A man called Lot. Lot was Abraham's nephew. Lot left uh, Haran with his uncle. And they went on this journey to a promised land that God would show them. And on the way... They grew, and their numbers grew, and their herds grew, and they eventually became fighting between Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen, and they said, well, we're going to have to do something about this. And so they decided to part company. And Abraham said to his young nephew, Lot, you choose where you want to go, and wherever you want to go, I'll go in the opposite direction. And Lot saw the green land. Genesis 13.10 says that he saw the good green land. There was a desire in his heart to go to the green land. In Genesis 13.12, we, we see later on that Lot pitched his tent towards a place called Sodom. He hadn't entered the city, but he had pitched his tent towards Sodom. He's a, there's something about desire and then something about direction that gets him pointing in the, the direction of a city where he eventually finds himself. And Genesis 13, 13 says that the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. People who were not only wicked, they were sinners and they were also scoffers. And Lot had positioned himself towards that city. And eventually, in Genesis 14, 12, we read that Lot eventually lived in Sodom. He had settled down in this city where people were turning against God, rebelling against God. And that was his decision, his decision to live in the city. And in Genesis 19.7, it says that Lot eventually became one of them and it led to his destruction, not physically, but morally. And there's a little verse in, a little bit in verse 7 when it says, he says, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. No, my, he calls them friends. 
Do you see where we're going with this? At one point in time, he was with Abraham, who was the one who was blessed, and God was going to be a blessing to the whole world through Abraham. We see that as we read through Scripture. And Lot decided to separate from Abraham and go his own way. And he eventually settled down in a place that God destroyed. God brought judgment on this place called Sodom. Lot was lucky enough to escape with his wife. And his wife looked back. She wanted to go back to that place. And we know that she was turned into a pillar of salt. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a progression in life that takes us away from God. We've got to be careful of what we think. We've got to be careful of what we do. And we've got to be careful of who we associate with. Why? Because we all said at the start, or most people did anyway, we want to live a happy life. We want to live the blessed life. Well, if we do, then we need to be careful and mindful of that progression away from God. The second part is that there's a progression towards God. And it begins with delighting in the law of the Lord. For the Jew, in this time that this was written to, it would have been the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Deuteronomy, stop. I want to keep going. For those who've learned the books of the Bible using that song. Has anybody learned the books of the Bible using that song? Yeah, quite a few. If you've not, we're going to take you on a journey. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, were the law written by Moses. Some people contest that, but I think written by Moses. And these were the things that they were encouraged to delight in and to meditate on. To delight in is something that gives us pleasure. When I started off in the church here at first, one of, the, one of our jobs was to be the youth leaders eventually. And we, get, we kind of get unceremoniously landed with it. Um, which is why this Bible looks like this, because we had to prepare for the Thursday night where we would open up the Word of God and say, well, what is God saying about whatever it was? And, and that's why it looks like that. But there's a delight in God's Word that we can find. Something where we go, actually, God's speaking to me. Sometimes God challenges us, and, and we're not really feeling very delighted about it. We're like, I wish you hadn't said that. But we can delight in God's word. Does it give us pleasure? Meditating on the word of God. It says that we have to meditate on God's word. Let me go back and read what it says here. But his delight, their delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law they meditate day and night. Day and night, meditating on the word of of God. That word meditate, and I, I found this uh, when I was reading a book, and I actually went back and looked at the, the, the Hebrew word, and really it means to moan, or to growl, or to utter, or to speak, or to muse. It has different meanings depending on the context. And one of the examples that the commentator uses is like a, a lion growling over its prey. Have you ever seen pictures of a lion when it's getting chomped into something? <laughs> covered in blood and gore and guts. and ugh. I love nature programs, do you? But there's something about a lion when it's getting in and it's moaning. Does anybody in here ever talk to themselves? Do you, ever talk, do you find yourself talking to yourself? It's like something's on your mind, right? Loads of people are putting hands up. Some people are putting two hands up. It's like, yeah, you're thinking about stuff. Stuff's on your mind and you just find yourself saying things out loud and you're going, 
glad nobody's around to hear that. <laughs> I think I'm going cuckoo. But that's what it means to meditate on when we get hold of a scripture and we meditate on it and we mull it over and we chew it over and we think it over and, and sometimes in the process, things come out and we talk to people about it. It's like this bit in the Bible and it's like it says this and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, what do you think about that? And, and we, can, we can study it together. And, and, and I just kind of think, the person who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his word day and night, that's the person who lives the happy, the blessed life. Why? Because there's so much in here that shows us how we should live. There are some, some things that tell us about how we shouldn't live, but there are so many things that tell us about how we should live. Read the Proverbs if you want to start somewhere. Proverbs is a, an incredible book. And it says that if we do that, we will be like a tree that's planted by the streams of water. And it says that we'll be fruitful and our leaves won't wither. And I want to say, everything that grows out of our relationship with God will have purpose and life and meaning. Everything that grows out of that relationship. Sometimes it's difficult situations, difficult things, things we find hard to hear, but if it grows out of that relationship with God, then it will produce life. And our lives should be fruitful and useful in the kingdom of God and useful for others too. Our lives should bring healing to others. And where it says that our leaf does not wither, I think it paints a picture of enduring, even in difficult times. Who's ever felt like the leaves are withering, the leaves of my life? To use, It's just a metaphor, isn't it? It's talking about, like, I want to be like a tree planted by the water. Do, 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 do. Can't remember the rest, right? It's just pictures, pictures of our lives. If we imagine ourselves like a tree, I'm a tree, I'm a tree. There's my leaves, they're blown about in the wind. Sorry, I'm making a fool of myself here, but you know what I'm saying. And sometimes we feel like the content of our life is withering away. We go through circumstances. Sometimes we feel like we're spiritually dry and we're like, Lord, you need to come and rescue me. You need to deliver me from this situation where I'm feeling so spiritually dry. And he will come, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Even the very life that we need to sustain us. It's a picture of enduring through difficult times. And we see this imagery all the way throughout the Bible. Genesis chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. You'll know the story. What's in the garden? Two trees. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they have a choice. The people have a choice to make. And they're already eaten from the tree of life. It's implied that they've already eaten from, and they and, and they choose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The one that they weren't to eat from and then they realize, oh, wait a minute. Well, let's not go into what they realized. There's children present. But they realize the difference between right and wrong, good and bad. And in that moment, their access to the source of life was cut off. They were banished from the garden. But God's plan was always that they had access to the tree of life. It tells us in verse 10, that in the garden was a river, and the river flowed from Eden to water the garden. They were cut off from the source of life. Things went pear-shaped after that. Ezekiel, in his prophecy, 
in chapter 47 talks about a river. A river that flows out from the from the temple. And, and, and as the river flows out, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And you're encouraged to, to go deeper into the river. But it says about that in verse 12, that on either side of the river, there's fruit trees of all kinds. They will grow on both sides, both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. The same picture as we're seeing in Psalm 1, there in Ezekiel. Jesus himself, when he's in the temple, and it's almost his time, his time's almost come. J. John talked about that, that Kairos time, the season where God would take him into, where he would fulfill the law and the prophets, where he would be crucified on a cross, where he would die for the sins of people, where he would die to reverse the effects of what happened in Eden, reverse the effects of Adam and Eve's sin, reverse the effects of our sin, and allow us access again to the tree of life, which is God himself. And this is what Jesus said when he stood up on the last and greatest day of the feast. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Jesus is talking about coming and receiving from him, the very source of life. And then as the Bible ends, we get to the book of Revelation, the last chapter, chapter 21. And John's writing this revelation that Jesus has given him. And he says this, then the angel showed me what the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God himself and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. It's incredible. There's something about our lives that God is saying, that's what I want you to be like just now. People who delight in the law of God, who meditate on the law of God, who put it into practice so that we bear fruit and that our lives are for healing of others. I believe the church, and I don't mean just this church, but this church too, I believe the church is at a time where it needs to make a decision to go back to what we know or to trust in him who is our source of life. And I believe that God wants to do a new thing in the church. And also, if the church conforms to the pattern of the world, if we walk alongside, if we stop and stand, if we eventually sit down and acquiesce to culture, the way the world is going and say, well, we better just kind of toe the line. We better just get in line with the culture of the society around us. We know that that's a progression away from God. Our delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, we meditate day and night and our lives are informed by the contents of this book as the Holy Spirit opens it up to us and speaks to us and changes us from the inside out. If we conform to the world, we're going on the wrong track. If we delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night, then we'll be on the right track.
like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. We each have a choice to make because it's not just about the church. It's about us as individuals in our daily lives. Sometimes it's a daily choice. And sometimes, sometimes that's the only thing we can control is our own attitude and our own choices. Can't go back to the beginning. Can't control what tomorrow might bring. And the older you get, the more you realize how little you're in control of, right? When you're young, you think you control everything in your life. You don't. There are things happen in life that are totally out with our control. And in those moments, we look to God, the source of our life, the river of life, and he comes to us and he helps us to endure so that our leaf doesn't wither in those times. Let's just close our eyes. Musicians are going to come back up. We're going to pray. And um, I just encourage us to think about that choice today. Oh. That was the right time. <laughs> Think about the choice that's set before us. The choice is life or the choice is death. Let's choose life. Let's choose to enter into all that God has for us. Father, we, we pray that this would become a reality in our everyday lives. Father, tomorrow morning when we get up and we go to work, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to choose the right things, to choose not to listen to certain things, to choose not to uh, laugh at certain jokes, to choose not to see certain things or, or hear certain things, but Father, to delight ourselves in you, to delight ourselves in your word and your law, Father, to meditate on it. Father, maybe to share that with others who've never heard about Jesus. And maybe there are people in here today and you've never met Jesus. You've never put your trust in him. I would encourage you today to make this the day that you put your trust in him. I'm going to say a simple prayer just before we sing a song. And you just say this prayer after me in your own heart if you want. Um, you can say it out loud if you want, but say it in your own heart maybe. And just tell somebody that you've prayed this prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that you become my father. I ask that you would give me your life. I ask that you would come into my life. Forgive me of the past. Forgive me for not trusting in you. And help me to live my life your way. Make me clean. Come into my life. And give me a fresh start today. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you